Friendship with God would like to thank you for donating to the Loreto Need. With your help, a total of $10,378 were collected in donations, and 645 food baskets were delivered to the homes of the poor people of Loreto. Visit friendshipwithgod.org and take a look at the slideshow of some of the people that you supported during this difficult time. Thank you for being an instrument of God's blessing. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In Romans 10.3, it says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And that's what you see there. It's so evident with all these Orthodox Jewish groups that they're going about trying to establish their own righteousness. They're trying to be just before God. And all these, these, all these Orthodox Jews are trying to answer one simple question which was asked in the oldest book in the Bible, in the book of Job, and it's one question, uh, Job 9.2, Job 9.2, the question is, how should man be just with God? That's the question. How should, and they all believe that they have that answer. And that's the ultimate question. How should man be just with God? And that question is asked by man, how should I be just with God? And for a seeking heart that looks at all these forms of Judaism that is not engaged in one of them, but he's coming in there and says, well, I want the right way. And so he's looking at all these ones. And that person who has a seeking heart would say, would someone please tell me, how should man be just with God? That old question from Job 9.2. But you know what? Man is not only the one. Man is not the only one who's asking that question. God is also asking that question. God is saying, how, can man, how should man be just with God? Because God made man, and God loves man, and God does not want to see him cast into hell because he's unjust. So God also is fervently looking for an answer to the question, how should man be just with God? I mean, this question is asked by man. This question is asked by God. How should man be just with God? This is the question that brings both man and God together with the same problem, the same dilemma. How should man be just with God? And the problem is really more complicated for God than it is for man because of who God is. And he's described in Isaiah 45, 21. Isaiah 45, 21, where God says, there is no God else beside me, a just God and a savior. There's none beside me. See, God is just and God is a savior. What makes it very complicated for God because God is both a father who saves and he's also a judge who judges. And this creates a great conflict for God because God looks at man as a father. He wants to save man. And God says, 
Shall I, as the father of man, give man over to the judge who's going to destroy him for his sins? That's how God the Father looks at man. But God the judge also looks at man and says, Shall I, as the judge over man, give him over to the Father who would save him? I mean, do you remember that part when we saw when we looked at the fiddler on the roof and that one scene there where his Tevya is just pushing his milk cart? You remember that? And, and it was that on the other hand scene. That's what I call it. On the other hand scene. Where Tevya looks at his daughter who married the Gentile and he's conflicted within. And he says, how can I turn my back on my people? And then he goes through, on the other hand, how can I deny my daughter? See, it was that whole conflict. That's how God is caught in a conflict of a great, on the other hand, tension like Tevya was. See, God is both a just God who judges, and he's also a savior who wants to treat man as a loving father. So God is caught in this on the other hand. On one hand, God is a just God, and he looks at man, and he looks at his sin, and God says, Ezekiel 18.4, Ezekiel 18.4, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And God says that the person who sins must die because God is just. There's no other option. The soul that sins must die. And sin cries out for judgment, like, like the blood of Abel from the ground. And he said to, Dan, said to Cain, the voice of your brother's blood is crying unto me from the ground. But on the other hand, on the other hand, you know, on the other hand, God looks at man as a loving father, and he says also in the same book of Ezekiel 33.11, Ezekiel 33.11, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It hurts God to judge sinful man with death. So what's God gonna do? Shall God the Father love the sinner and just forget the sin and forget the penalty of sin? Or shall God the judge hate the sin and just forget the sinner? He's conflicted. Which side of God is gonna win out? Which part of God is stronger and would win over with the other? Will it be the love of God or the law of God? That's what it comes down to. Love of God or law of God? Will it be the love of God is crying out, love the sinner, forget the sin. Don't judge him. But the law of God is crying out, judge the sin, judge the sinner, forget the sinner. And this is the conflict that was going on inside of God. This is the conflict between love and law. And how could the love of God and the law of God be reconciled? How could they be reconciled? This was the huge dilemma for God. This was a huge problem for God. God had to come up with a great solution to this problem that satisfied both God as the Father and satisfied God as just. And God had to both love us and judge us. So if God asked man, if God came to man and said, you know, I got this big problem, what do you think we should do about this? You know, what's the solution to this problem? Man would say, well, that's easy, that's simple. He said, just compromise, that's all. Just make the law of God give in, fall down to the love of God. You know, like my atheist friend in London, who, when I spoke to him about hell, when I spoke to him about hell, he, he said to me, Tom, I'm surprised that you believe in hell because you believe in a loving God. And I explained to him, well, the reason I believe in hell is because God talked about hell and Jesus talked about that more than heaven. My atheist friend, yeah, my atheist friend, and uh, we were together, we went to a restaurant and we were waiting for Uber. I thought, this is great, Uber in London, I love that. But anyway, we were waiting for Uber taxi to come and you know on your phone you could see how lost they are trying to find you. 
So, you know, we were both looking at our phone, look at my phone, you know, how the guy was driving all over the place. And my friend says, my atheist friend says, oh, my God. And I turned to him and I said, really? <laughs> oh, my God, really? Yeah. Anyway, I told him, it doesn't sound like an atheist, oh, my God. And then, then you know, the Uber guy was going way off, and then he said, oh, Jesus. I said, very good. <laughs> good step. I said, you know, just, now, now you need to add a little bit to it. Oh, Jesus, save me, but you're on the road. All right. But anyway, like my atheist friend, okay, so he says that, all right, that I'm surprised you believe in hell because you believe in a loving God. That's not God's solution, that, that just forget about, forget about judgment because you're loving. So man looks at the problem and says, okay, here's another solution. Just downgrade sin. Don't make it so terrible. I mean, man looks at sin and says to God, look, just see my sins as only misdemeanors. They're not capital crimes. They're not felonies in heaven, just misdemeanors. You know, man, man looks at his sin and, and he says to God, just see my sins as a common illness. Everyone has. Nobody is re really responsible for them. I mean, don't see my sins as personal infections that I'm responsible for. I mean, man looks at his sin, he says, the solution to the problem, God, is, is just all, all I need is a counselor. I don't need a judge, I just need a counselor. I mean, man looks at the, the poster of the Ten Commandments on the wall at the Child Evangelism Castle in Del Mar. And by the way, it's good to have James here. He, he, he brought his daughter to the, the Del Mar Fair there, Bridget, when I was outside harassing people to come in. Uh, anyway, but, but there at the, 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 the poster, man looks at the poster of the Ten Commandments, in the booth, and he says, just take those Ten Commandments down. You know, don't have them there with all the, no, 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 which is the way it is in Hebrew. Low, 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 low. You know, big finger pointed at you. No, no, no. It's a little bit too gentle in English. Thou shalt not. I suggest you don't do this. No. And the it, 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 way it is, no, no, no. Anyway, take those down, because those Ten Commandments just make sin worse, which is what it says in Romans 7.13, Romans 7.13. Sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful, worse. So all of man's thoughts about how to solve the problem between law and love that God says to man, look, all those thoughts that you've just told me about, you know, all those thoughts, he said, the problem is, is that those thoughts of how I should love you and not judge you, those are great thoughts. It's just one problem, just one problem. And, he's, and God says, in, in Isaiah 55, 8, Isaiah 55, 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and, my, and your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. And God says to man, we have a conflict here of thoughts. You want me to abandon my just side and keep my love side. And I want to keep both, my just side and my love side. And that means that my thoughts are not your thoughts, and you prefer your thoughts over my thoughts. So the, 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 solution, the solution that God has is the gospel, is perfect. But the gospel is not man's thoughts, and it's not man's idea. And man never would have devised this, and if he devised it, only, only God could come up with that. But even if he did, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. The gospel is not man's way. It's God's way. The gospel is not man's thoughts. It's, it's God's thoughts, and which, which is why the Bible says in Galatians 1.10, Galatians 1.10, for do I now persuade, persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men. 
after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel we preach is not our gospel, it's God's gospel. And God says to man, you have to repent. You have to repent of your thinking, your thinking way, because basically you have to abandon your thoughts, man. This is God speaking. You have to abandon your thoughts in order to honor God's thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, some people have another solution to the dilemma that God is, the dilemma that God there is, is both holy and loving, and, and then that, and we say, then that's just God abandoning his holy side and just go with the, and just go with the love side. You know, it's like, it's, that's the other hand of Tevye. On the other hand, how can I deny my daughter? And then there's a, a similar solution, another solution that man has to the problem of being in the judgment of God. And this solution was presented to me by my atheist friend in, in Jerusalem. He's my atheist Jewish friend. That makes a lot of sense. Anyway, we're driving around in the car, and I was telling him about three things are real. God, heaven, and hell. And even though he was driving, he kind of leans over, looks me in the face, and he says, Tom, hello, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. I don't believe that there's God. I'm a Jewish atheist. I, be- I don't believe man has a soul. I don't believe it. I don't believe there's a heaven and hell after you die. And, and, and you know, because I love him, I, I, I turned to him and I said, the problem is you have a fatal disease. You have a fatal disease that the Bible calls unbelief. Unbelief. And, and, and I need to cure you of that disease. And then uh, both him and my friend, atheist friend in London, I asked my atheist friend in London, who actually started an atheist church, if you can believe that. And it's up to 50. It started with seven, now it's up to 50 every Sunday. There. Anyway, so um, I said to him, I said, is there anybody in your life that talks to you the way I talk to you? You know, is anybody in your life who talks to you about God and, and Jesus, anybody like that? And he said, certainly not like that. And so I said, well, meet your new ambassador from God. I have a message from the Lord for you, love, reconciliation. Anyway, so this issue here of unbelief and, and atheism is a way how many have solved the problem of God's conflict between law and love. Just don't believe in God, that's all, problem solved. And then, and then there's the Orthodox Jews, as we're talking about here, and they solved the problem by inventing all these new laws, like toilet paper, and, and, which are not God's laws. And they say, you know, look, I will blot out all these troubling thoughts that I'm worthy of judgment by just distracting myself with a very hard, difficult life of trying to keep 613 laws that I can't even hardly keep straight. And, and the amazing thing is that for all these people, We've been talking about here, the orthodox or the ones who say God is only love and the atheist. What's amazing to me is that they all believe they are right. They all believe they're right. Only my friend in in London who actually acquiesced and and, and said to me, well, uh, I I can't say that I know because I don't know everything, but for me, there's no God. But really, they all believe very much that they're right. They're right. This is it. And they are described by Proverbs 14.12. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way. In fact, there's many ways. But there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. They're the ways of death. And so for my, 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 my atheist friend in Jerusalem, that there is no God, there is no heaven, there is no hell, that seems right to him. And for my Orthodox friends, that by keeping all those laws, but somehow they'd be spared from judgment, that seems right to them. 
and for my atheist friend in London, that, that if there is a God who is loving, he'll abandon his judgment side, that seems right to him. Then when you ask all these people to believe the gospel, that there is a God who so loved them that he gave his only son for them so that they would not be cast into hell but be brought to heaven, we're asking them for turn from something that's that, that to turn from something that seems right to them. Turn away from something that seems right to them to turn to something that doesn't seem right to them. I mean, we're asking them to abandon their own thoughts in order to accept what God reveals. Because God's thoughts are both love and law, and they need to both be satisfied. God's law is so pure, it's so holy, it's so glorious, it's got to be satisfied and he has to judge sin. And on the other hand, God's love is so intense, it's so encompassing, it must be satisfied that he's got to love man. This was the huge problem, the huge conflict in God when the question is asked in Job 9.2, how should man be just with God? That's it. And this is what God did in our verse here in Romans 3.26 when it says he was both just and the justifier so how could God love the person of the sinner and judge the sin of the sinner? How could God love the person of the sinner and judge the sin of the sinner and not compromise himself? And there's only one way. There's only one way that he could do that, both love this and judge the sinner. And he revealed it in Isaiah 45, 25. Isaiah 45, 25, God said, in the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified. It's in the Lord. It's in Jehovah Jesus. It's in the Lord Jesus. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Love was not compromised. John 3, 16, when God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In the person of the Lord Jesus, God the Father loved us and gave us his son. Romans 5, 8. Romans 5, 8. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But in the person of the Lord Jesus, God also judged our sins on the cross. And this is this whole amazing statement in Isaiah 53.10. Isaiah 53.10 when it says, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased God the Father to bruise the Lord Jesus Christ. And you look at that word in, in, in hephetz in, in, in Hebrew, and it's, it means delighted. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I gotta do it. It delighted him. How can that be? You know, we just got a letter. Just got a letter from a Jewish lady. And she said, she said, I've got many questions that have plagued me. But she said, the, the, the worst one of all is that is Jesus is God. How could God put himself to death? I think it's the way she put it. Okay, this is what it's saying here in Isaiah 53.10. It's a very good question. Because the, the, why was God the Father delighted to bruise the Lord Jesus on the cross? Why? Because God the Father, by doing that, found a way. He found the way to make man just with God. He found the way to take away sin. He found the way to bring us to heaven. Just like the song says, love found a way to redeem my soul. Love found a way to make me whole. Love sent my Lord to the cross of shame. Love found a way, oh, praise his holy name. Love brought my Savior here to die on Calvary. For such a sinful wretch as I... How can it be? Love bridged the gulf twixt me and heaven. Love opened wide the gates of light to heaven's domain. 
Okay, and then it goes on. Love lifted me from depths of woe. There was no help on earth below, but love found a way. God found a way. He found a way to judge our sin and save us at the same time. And, and, and God the Father was so happy that he found this way to save us from our sins and take care of judging our sins that God was delighted to bruise the Lord Jesus on the cross, to bruise the Son in whom he is well pleased. Because that was the way that God found to judge our sins and to save us from hell. God did it. God did it. God did it all. It was effective. It was irreversible. Man didn't do it. Man could not do it. Man might have thought of it, but then if he did, he couldn't do it. And this is what now makes us described in Acts 13.9 when it says, by him all that believe are justified from all things. Justified from all things. John 15. 13, John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. How about this? Greater love hath no God than this, that God should lay down his life for his friends. I mean, you know, just this, this is all court dealings. You know, and just picture man going into God's courts with a little briefcase. He's got all his arguments in there for why he should not be cast into hell. And for man to come into God's court like that alone with just his own arguments, sure loss. It's a sure loss. But for man to go in, man to not go in alone, but now picture him going in with the advocate. First John 2 1, 1 John 2 1. My little children, if any man sin, we have an advocate. We have a lawyer with the Father, Jesus the righteous. He goes in with his lawyer. That verse means that we don't go into God's court alone. We walk in with the Lord Jesus as our lawyer. The lawyer says to the believer, just sit down. Don't talk. I'll do all the talking for you. You just need to sit down and keep quiet, which for me is a big problem, but anyway. So the believer sits there quietly, and he sees something amazing happen. He says, God the Son brings the whole case before God the Father in a very legal way, and then he can turn to, turn to his client man and say, I got a settlement. I got a settlement. I got a settlement. It's going to, set a, it's going to be a settlement between God the Father and, and it's going to benefit you, benefit you. So the settlement that God the Son obtains for the believer and answers this question in Job 9.2, how should man be just with God? It's also put in you know, Micah 6.6, 6, Micah 6.6, 6, wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? And the settlement that, that, that has been obtained is that God did it all. God did it all. Man did none of it. The settlement is that no one can lay any sin on the account of the, account of the believer because, Romans 8.33, who shall lay anything, Romans 8.33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect, it's God that justifieth. The settlement with God the Father is based on the fact that God the Son has done all the work. And God is the only one who could have dealt with man's sins and man can't, he can't deal with his sins too much. I mean, pathetically, he tries to cancel out his sins with good works, but, but he only makes them everything worse. It all gets worse when he does that. This is the gospel. The gospel is a settlement offer from God. For any lawsuit, when you go to court, the judge will always ask the, the, the sides, the two parties who are opposing each other, he always asks them, would you please go into a settlement phase and try to reach an agreement and, and the judge asked the parties to try to work out a settlement that's acceptable to both. This is exactly what the gospel is. The gospel is a settlement offer from God the Father to man. And whenever we present the gospel 
like we sung, let the earth hear his voice. Whenever we present the gospel, we're presenting a settlement offer. The gospel is a settlement offer where God's done all the work and the gospel is, 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 is presented. And you, and you kind of have to picture this. You know, there's the negotiation table there. And, and, and God the Father just pushes the agreement across the table. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Friendship with God would like to thank you for donating to the Loreto Need. With your help, a total of $10,378 were collected in donations and 645 food baskets were delivered to the homes of the poor people of Loreto. Visit friendshipwithgod.org and take a look at the slideshow of some of the people that you supported during this difficult time. Thank you for being an instrument of God's blessing.